This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift. Find your fun with the indoor cycling app where fun is fast. Kreuzer. That's a bit Welsh for you. Tom, how's it going? We haven't had the chance to meet her properly since our live podcast debut, or debut, at Ruler Live. How do you think we did? I reckon, given the circumstances which were that we had gone out the night before, probably later than you should do if you're recording a live podcast at nine in the morning. Or have kids. Or have kids when you're used to going to bed at about quarter past nine. Um, and the fact that when all of us tried to speak for the first time on Saturday morning, it sounded like a chorus of frogs. <laughs> I think given all those circumstances, it seemed to go quite well. Yeah, I feel like I crashed after it, though. I kind of, you know, got myself ready for the, you know, the live pod. But then, because we were up early, weren't we? It was like 9.15 we are on stage for. And um, yeah. by 10 past 10, about two minutes after we walked off, I was... Man down for a good hour after that. I need to go have a lie down. I had a massive result on the train journey home because I think we both agreed that we were in that sort of weekend first upgrade territory on the train <laughs> in that you're willing to pay £25 for a nicer seat and a little bit of calm. So I've got on the train and I've gone, yeah, I'm going weekend first upgrade. I've got into this first class carriage, got myself the perfect setup. I've got a whole table, I can put the iPad on, watch a film, relax. It's ideal. And then just as I'm thinking, here comes my 25 quid, the guard says on his walkie-talkie to his mate down the other end of the train, this train's rammed, I'm going to declassify Coach G. Meaning, <laughs> it became a standard carriage while still being a first-class carriage. Amazing. Oh, yeah, that's a right result, that. Massive result. I got flicked big time. My train was cancelled. Oh, what? Yeah, so I had to get some other train. Well, luckily or unluckily, Jay was on this other train my agent so i had to chat to him for another 20 minutes <laughs> but um yeah so i had to get a tr- different train to reading get off that and then get on the next one go into cardiff then and i had those two big suitcases with me didn't i because we had just come back from holiday and Saad had gone home the night before with our son max so i was left with the luggage although i think i probably got the easier deal there <laughs> but uh yeah so i was in the tax in the taxi to the train station with Marcel Kittle actually who was out with us that night before and he had a proper British experience to be fair so we had a curry <laughs> we had a load of beers didn't we we went to some pretty crappy little bar that was people dancing there was a little fight one there in the corner do you remember? oh I don't remember the yeah, fight, was a little no. fight I remember the waiters and waitresses kept getting on the tables and doing karaoke yeah. which seemed really spontaneous until our producer Louise pointed out to me that that was actually their job <laughs> Yeah, and then um, at the end of the night, he lost his phone as well. Oh, what? And we lost him. So we were back at the hotel thinking, where is Marcel? Give him a ring. Nothing happening. So we're like, oh, he'll be all right. He's a six foot big strapping German guy. He can look after himself. And then, yeah, so on the next day, he'd lost, he'd had his phone nicked and stuff. And yeah, so we're getting out of the taxi, getting my suitcases out the back. And um, this builder starts giving us abuse then for stopping where we'd stopped. And we're like, well... Cheers, mate. Yeah, that was that was London for you. Have a good flight home. <laughs> so you think that will put him off coming on the pod? Not at all. I think he loved it. Yeah, I think he loved everything about that. Yeah, maybe he'll come on some of our live tours if we ever do them next year as well. 
Well, I mean, that I, I felt, um, even though we were slightly hungover, I felt that that was a very good little test run mm. at Ruler Live. It felt like we could, when the time comes, you've got a little gap in your schedule. It feels like we could take the GTCC out across the country. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if we were, we definitely weren't hungover. I think we were just still drunk. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> but yeah, I reckon that'll yeah. work. That'd be good, that. So we could maybe, guest-wise, we could maybe get a guest on, like, I don't know, local rider or someone connected to cycling from the town that we happen to be in that evening. Ah, yeah. Or maybe one of our GTCC road captains. Mix them all up. Do you know what I'm thinking already? As the chairman who delegates everything, I'm thinking we <laughs> asked the road captain to get our guest. <laughs> and book the venue. Book the venue, organise the ticketing, <laughs> and, and where we go the night before. Yeah, the curry house, crack him. <laughs> right, let's get our guest on, because our guest also took part in that night out. And... I think if you are going to do the classics, then this person might be the best possible guest that you could have lined up. Let's do it. Tom, good news. The sponsors are back for season two. That is Momentous, G. And Momentous just so happens to be the sponsors of this next bit. But who are they? (laughs) Well, for all you listeners that were listening last season, you'll remember them as Amp Human. Aha, yeah, a leading human performance company that works with over 150 pro and elite sporting teams. And once again, we've got an exclusive discount for you. Gee, what's the lowdown? Well, I use uh, PR lotion all the time. You basically rub it directly in your muscles, you get bicarb directly into them and, you know, allows me to maximise training sessions and improves recovery time. Yeah, if you try it, the clinical data says you'll get 53% less muscle soreness and be able to do 25% more training intervals. I like those odds, G. So if you fancy slapping it all over your legs before your next big ride or workout, go to livemomentous.com. So that first bit, all one word, L-I-V-E, then M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S. And because you listen to this podcast, we've got you an exclusive discount. Just use the code GTCC2021 at the checkout for 25% off Momentus's PR Lotion. Happy training! Right, time for another introduction, Tom. And it's a big one this time, this week. Today's guest has won eight stages of the Tour de France two-time Olympic time trial champ, four-time world time trial champ, three-time winner of Flanders, Roubaix, E3 and Strada. Not bad, Palmares here. So, welcome to the GTCC, Fabian Cancellara. Hello, everyone. Did I get all that right? Uh, Yeah, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) There's more. That's what he's saying to you. There's more wins than you've mentioned there. I think um, I'm happy to be with you guys. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you explain now what I have won, but on the end, I mean, life goes forward. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, if I look back, sometimes I honestly must say, sometimes I forget what everything I have won. Um, but still when I look back, I'm appreciating and I'm super happy and, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely also not so bad what I have won. Yeah, yeah. Well, talking about recently, we've all three of us have seen each other quite recently, haven't we? Yeah. In a nice, spontaneous way, <laughs> having uh, spicy food, you have bring me into an Indian restaurant at the Lourdes uh, Life. I think, um, yeah, it was quite nice, must say. Yeah, yeah. So I was obviously there on the Saturday. You were there Friday. So 
and you messaged me, didn't you? Oh, oh, what are you guys doing? I was like, oh, I'm just heading out for a curry if you want to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's five of us coming. We'll join you. So he was like, okay, sound. And we ordered, um, we ordered you a vindaloo actually, just to get you going before you guys <laughs> ordered what you wanted. But um, yeah, I don't think many of you ate, ate too much of it. But it was a good night in the end. It was, oh, it lasted a lot longer than I'd hoped for. To be honest, I was hoping for a curry and going to bed, having a two month or oh, two year old at home. But it lasted. Well, it was quite a late one, wasn't it? In the end. Yeah, it was quite late. It was quite good. We had good talks. And um, the good thing is Tom has forgot to, to give me the micro. Remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get the club we ended up in didn't seem like a safe place to hand over an expensive microphone. I think that's our excuse. But what, what I'd also say, Fabian, is that you seem to order drinks in the same style as you used to ride your bike. So it was like brief, explosive bursts of drink buying. Mm, thank you (laughs) so let's talk classics then fabian when you think about what they're like to ride what's the single best thing in your opinion about riding the classics is it the challenge that they bring is it the crowd is it the parkours it's it's a mixed i mean if you if you take uh, on flanders roubaix it's a big mixed if you take in I mean, San Remo have one. It's also another mix, but the other two we don't talk because they are not on my list, but they're still also classics. <laughs> but I think those two fascinating races in Belgium and in, in, in Roubaix, I mean, Flanders is, is the extremes on all because you have this left and right corners, small road, big roads, uphill uh, cobbles, non-uphill cobbles, uh, the winds, the weather, circumstance of the country because at that day, a whole country is standing still especially the region it's it's amazing that that region and and everyone is just looking for that one day and cycling in belgium has another i mean in many countries there's football there's other sports but in belgium it's just cycling is just so close to the people because it's a sport for people and and on plus that is this whole thing in ones that makes especially Flanders a really special classic. Yeah, where does it start? Where's the, the city it starts in? It's not Bruges, is it? It has started in Bruges. Oh, okay. You already forget that or what? Yeah, I just get on the bus, <laughs> don't I? And we just go to the start. <laughs> no idea where oh, it is. Oh, yeah, you see. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> it's it's Bruges. Now it has changed uh, to Antwerp. Oh, okay, because I remember, just remember those starts when it was in Bruges. It was unbelievable the amount of people in there with that massive like church thing in that in the square. Unbelievable setting, wasn't it? Yep. You feel like a rock star for like ten minutes. Do you think riders, Fabian, for Flanders, are they just born in the right place for Flanders, or can you learn how to ride it? Can you teach someone how to ride Flanders? Um. Yeah. Teach born. I mean. You have uh, Juan Antonio Flecha that uh, hmm. hasn't been born at all in those northern places, or Ivan Cortina, uh, the recently young rider now, uh, movie star also, is quite motivated and willing for those races. But born or not, I think it starts not just if you are a talent or if you have the the power for it. I think it's a whole combination of variations of things. I mean, it took me a while. Until in 2010, I have reached the first Belgium race win. I mean, E3 in 2010. But what I have won before E3 or before Flanders 2010 is was I have won Sanremo, I have won 
many other races or certain other races. I have already won in 06 uh, Roubaix, but until that day where I hit the barrier with Tour of Flanders, it took me quite a few years. And I don't know if it was the experience. I wasn't probably yet ready for it. If I might have done different sorts of trainings not done properly i don't know i mean when i hit the barrier then it was just every year was it results or a win or a podium or even a crashed out once that that took me a while because i also had to understand the race because of this this differences of another just okay perry roubaix we know all they are the cobbles you ride wide tires you might ride another frame and it's mostly flat I mean, mostly flat means that the first part is, is a bit up and down, but then you ride mostly on cobbles a bit on the flat roads. So you have less you have less to look, but even in the TV, it looks so brutal, that race, that it is brutal, but you have other difficulties. Because let's say you have this one difficult, the cobbles. You have maybe also the wind, the punches, but in, 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 in Roubaix, it's not the same feeling of the people, of the crowd, of what everything is around. Because you ride from A to B. And in Flanders, you ride, you ride around a circle somehow. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, I think Flanders, all the bergs you're doing, like, crisscrossing all over the place, aren't you? You're going up, well, you're going up climbs, you're going quite a lot slower than, you know, 50k an hour along the flat on cobbles. That all adds to the, mm-hmm. the atmosphere for sure. Which which is your favorite then? If you had to, if you could do one more, Flanders Roubaix, which one would you choose? I will go for Flanders. Me too. I mean, it's just special. It's not that. I mean, I spoke with few people in at the Rouleur uh, show in London. I mean, today you can have thirty two tires, and I don't know you, Garant, if you have ridden Roubaix on which kind of tires, but. We have ridden on 26 or 28. So Andrea Taffy explained that he has ridden 23 what? <laughs> mil tires. So today you ride with 32. And of course, with the disc brakes and with technology, a 32 tire is kind of riding kind of mountain biking on cobbles because the tire is so wide. And I think the suspension is now not just helping from the frame out of or how the geometry is made i think also today the tire is definitely helping and then the rolling resistance with the tires and and so on i think they gain quite a lot so i think with 32 tires it's definitely a different riding that in flanders you never ride a 32 tire never no 23s like we don't even race on 23s in normal road races now like 25s at least i think (laughs) yeah you (laughs) But that's the old time. I think yeah. I've been, been riding 23 tires uh, for many, many years. And then the 25, 26 millimeter came. And then everyone said, ah, with this tire, you're going to be slower. And then by the years, with all the rubber, all the gum and all the, the component in those tires, that race has changed a bit. But on the other hand, in Flanders, you have always those difficulties that always make this race a bit more special. Yeah, I think Maggie was telling me once, Magnus Backstead, that he was the first guy to use carbon wheels in Roubaix. I might be wrong there, but I think when he when he won in 2004, he said he was like one of the first to start using carbon wheels and everyone was like, what are you doing there? But I don't know. Uh, well, you podiumed that know. year, didn't you? 
No, actually, we arrived uh, four riders oh, to sorry. the velodrome, and then I arrived right. fourth. <laughs> no worry, hey, he's young, so <laughs> <laughs> I won junior Roubaix that same day. Oh, that same day? Yeah, wow. yeah. So we we had all the crowds. Like, well, we were obviously four or five hours before you guys, but yeah. So we mm. raced the same day on the last sort of eighty k was all on the same road. So yeah, it was unbelievable. And um, we were sat so we, watching I in the velodrome. Tell you in 2007, we have tried to ride properly on carbon wheels the first time. 2007, 2008 been the first years because we did testing with uh, one of the partners we had at the years. And we destroyed in the testing period in November, we destroyed in half an hour 50,000 euro almost. <laughs> we smashed <laughs> wheels. We smashed them like crazy. But this was a testing period. So... Um, if Magnus was already on carbon wheels, it will be um, will be um, nice one. But I don't remember at all because at that years was just this aluminium rims like this this old school rims yeah. that everyone was riding with. I'm gonna have to Google that now. I'm gonna go on. Right, <laughs> chat amongst yourselves. I'll get on Google. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk while you Google. Fabian, do you think you have to relish everything that Flanders brings to ride it properly? That if you tried. Riding with caution, it's just not going to work. I mean, I remember 2010 riding up to Ger- Mür van Gerardsbergen. Everyone was shouting at me. Everyone was like, boo, boo. Like, <laughs> like actually, just because Swiss cross, yeah, Swiss cross against Belgium King. So that was that day that then on the end still has changed from that day everything. Because um, on the end, of course, you go against the the Belgium king, the Belgium idol, the Belgium champion. Uh, he has won so many races. And then I'm coming, winning. Uh, this was just non, probably non-expected somehow. Even I have won a week before uh, Harbeck already and in a way that I tricked out Tom. And then on the end also, the way we've been riding, um, I just accelerated and then things went. I arrived. And I think what happened is that Maybe the small angel that I have shown at the end of the race in the TV uh, that was in my pocket as a lucky bring from my family has shown that I have a human side. Because um, people said, why he shows this angel? I said, yeah, because my wife said and the kids, hey, take that in your jersey. And they said, yeah, no, for what? In your pockets, you have no space. There's food, there's gels. I mean, how we want to put the small angel there? Because it's not used like... like um, riding like that and then on the end a minute before i left the bus i saw this angel that you know what i take it with me i put it in my back pocket and then i showed in the tv as like to say to my family look this has given most of some luck today and this is where it's barriers up where people thinks i'm a machine i'm i'm um, i'm a destroyer no on the end i'm just human so i ride to win bike races but on the other hand i have another side where also um, it's the warm a warmer person probably that just the way it looks how i'm riding i was going to say that rivalry with boonen was well epic wasn't it really and it must have been it must have been hard because he's always racing at home flanders is in belgium it's in the same roads every year and you're always playing away from home almost to bring in like a football analogy that must have been pretty for sure you would have had belgium fans but for sure he would have had a lot more there's a bit of a disadvantage surely or did you just love that that atmosphere, the rivalry, the 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 booze for you? Um, yeah, you focus on what you do when you ride. I mean, uh, 
Um, but I think from 210, everything has somehow changed my status in terms of the way I've been looked in Belgium because I have won in, in 06 to from 26 to 210. I have, I have won time trials, I have won Olympics, I have won Switzerland, I have won San Remo, some of the races. And then they had not a proper clue about probably how I am as a person because in the media, sometimes they, they, they put results, they make small interviews, but never properly deep or, or interviews where, where, where you get more out from it, from what they maybe ask. And then after 210, they want to know everything. And then I always said, hey, I have, two, I have one kid and I still go to the supermarket. I still go to the butcher. I still li live my life where I'm from and where I'm come from. And from there on, I don't know, things has, has changed probably that they haven't seen just the one rock star rider. No, they have just seen, ah, oh, he's also human and he's also doing normal things. Because sometimes for them is when, when you live in, in a world of sports like I have been living, maybe they thought, hey, he's not touchable. He's not, he's not normal. He drives, he has 10 cars at home. He lives in a crazy villa and all those things. And, and he's really like uh, not touchable. And on the end, I always try to be as normal I am, as normal we are all, because we are all humans. And I think this has changed that certain people has become uh, fans and has to, to start also to cheer the way I was and the way I've been riding. You've only got eight cars, haven't you? No, not even. <laughs> what do you want to do with eight cars? I mean, one is already okay, and then two and then three. is Just more is not better. More is just more, more time you spend for something else. So less is more. And um, I think that's it about cars. <laughs> bikes is different yeah the bikes i mean you 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 can let them just in the storage and and change whatever <laughs> just on that point of, of rivalries fabian you sometimes find with elite sports people that rivalries bring out the best of them so you could make a case that roger federer has achieved more because he's had rafa nadal and novak djokovic to come up against and to battle with do you think it helped you and tom having that rivalry um you have to ask him as well, but I think on my side, of course, um, it helped. I mean, I mean, sports lives also with that somehow. I mean, I've been riding to win bike races. That was my my first thing, and then, of course, I respected all my concurrents, all my rivals in 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 all the levels, in in, in all the variations they're in. It's like with with time trial, Tony Martin, Bradley Wiggins, um, but also I think with Tom, Peter Sagan. And also others uh, have made my life also hard as a as a rider in those races. But I think for the sport, for if we choose, I mean, to take motivation out the rivalry against Tom, I think um, I could take out something. But I think when you watch uh, those races, of course, it's many years. It has really like Fabian, Tom, Tom, Fabian, Tom, Fabian, Fabian, Tom. But when you watch, it's one year I crashed out. Then it was his own. Then he crashed out. Then I was by my own. So it's every year has changed those rivalries, especially after 2010, because 211, Nick Nguyen's won. 212, I crashed out. 213, he crashed out. 214, I don't know what actually was. And, and so those years has changed. And I think on the end, um, it's nice for a sport because then also it, it attracts people he attracts the sport and 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 then 
it's also enthusiastic to watch uh, when when a certain rival. But I think Switzerland against Belgium has this course that that rivalry that that really proper come and and I think you. Um, Grant, you know, also if it's in the tour, if it's a rivalry, if it's only one rider, is it other riders? I mean, you you ride, but you ride for something you want to achieve, and and not just you want to create a ri- a rival concurrence, and then you make a good show out of that. Well, let me ask you both a question, then. As someone who will never ride Flanders because I'm nowhere near good enough and I'm much too old, try and take me and the listeners into what it feels like to ride, say, the Quarimont. So what you can hear, what you can smell, what you can see. You can come to one of my chasing events in Flanders next year, <laughs> then you can experience it. But I think what's the beauty about our sport is that you can do it with or without crowd. I mean, you can lift the race the day before or you just go now. Or I mean, you go tomorrow to Flanders and you're going to ride those cobbles. This is already unique. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. It's not like you can just rock up to Wembley and just bang in a penalty, can you? Or, I don't know, go to Lords and have a few bowls of cricket or whatever. But, yeah, totally. I think it's, you have a new appreciation for something when you actually do it yourself. So, like when I was a few years ago now, just went to a full-size snooker table. I think, like, my biggest break was, like, four <laughs> you know like it's just unbelievable how hard it was but obviously I'm I'm not even a good pool player but just to play it on a full-size table and then when you see it on tv then a few months later you're like jeepers yeah they they are pretty good and um I think that's the beauty of our sport like you say like it's free to go and watch in it and and that when you're racing up that climb the atmosphere is just insane because you've got the little bankings on the side you know people are just hanging over they get that close to you you can can smell the beer on their breath and and as Fabian French said, fries, French fries, yeah. And uh, I remember one time up it, I was on your wheel, Fabian, and uh, it was just as you were attacking. It was at the bottom part, and I think you went round Terpstra. I'm not sure; it might have been wrong. You went round a rider. I was like, oh, this is it. This is the moment. Like this is where Flanders is going to be, at least the selection. And I was feeling okay, and I was on your wheel, and then you got round him, and then I just hit. Well, this was my excuse then, but I hit a bit of a rougher part on the outside and it took me that couple of seconds too long to get around Terpstra and then you were gone and that was it. I think, I can't remember what year it was. You probably rode off and won the race then, but yeah, that's my one memory of going up there trying to follow you and yeah, it didn't happen, but Sorry. good climb. That's no, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, the whole peloton got used to it, apart from Tom, you know, but yeah, it was, uh, oh. That that climb is just because it's so short as well, Tom. You know, like well, most of them, you know, Koppenberg and Patersburg and all these different climbs. Like, you just look at the profile on on a piece of paper. You're like, what? It's nothing when you look at like I don't know Alpes and all these massive alpine climbs. But, when you're doing them, like, you know, they're short and fast. They come in at you all the time, like every ten minutes or more or less. You know, there's another one, and just those races just sap everything from you. And then the fighting to be in position before them, and yeah, they're, they're they're totally different to anything you do most of the year, really. You know what is also really really different if you ride those cobbles in a pre in a preparation, or you do a like a recon ride, then the day of the race. But have you ever ridden Grant those roads in May, June? Like on another time, yeah, no, I haven't. Another no. period of the year, 
I tell you, it's I have done that now a few times and it feels really strange because normally we are used when we rode those races or those roads, this fully crowded people, there are fences, um, it's so much going ongoing things. And and then you come, you cruise around, and there's nothing. So it feels somehow like dead. But emotionally wise, you feel the crowd or or how you went up. But in my situation as a retired athlete, you feel in a millisecond straight away that the legs are not the same because condition-wise, <laughs> I'm not any more good. Crowds, five years, I mean, over five years now, it's it's passed. So it's already a bit more away. It's like football players playing football in an empty stadium. Mm. Kind of. And when you when you ride, I mean, this is a drama. I mean, you mentioned before, Quaramont is the one thing. You have Koppenberg, Paterberg. You have so many those climbs that normally they live with the people on plus to cheer, to hear. And then you don't hear the pain because you're, you're not, you don't even hear your breathe. But when you ride, it's just alone. It's just, <sighs> because riding on cobbles uphill is just... Yeah, it's just harder than riding on flat cobbles. Did you go in the gutters, though? You know, on like uh, Pattersburg, when there's no fencing. Like for Flanders. Is Flanders the only race they put the fence um, yeah. over the gutter? Yeah, they put that. So you don't ride. That's why in, in, in Harlbeck or or even in the race, you have Tienberg and Pattersburg are the two cobble climbs that are on the Flanders race just the race where you can't ride on this um, on this gutter on the side. And that's why those two um, cobble climbs in Hartelbeck sometimes gives you an advantage if you ride on the proper good position. Yeah. Small side note for you, Geraint, yeah. for next time. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there always a best line to follow? Or particularly on the Quarimont and the Koppenberg, is there a line that if you had the choice you would always ride or does it depend on the state of the race and who you've got in front of you and who you've got on your wheel? Yeah, um, I think Quarimont mostly is in the middle, but it can change because those roads, especially in Flanders, they're just also people with their car are riding up or driving up. In, in Roubaix, is it different? There's farmer roads, so only tractors or the, like these this special farmer cars are going up. And, and in Belgium, you can just pass. You can pass Quartermont as as everyone does it, whatever you have it. And and I think by the years, those cobbles also get changed a bit. And But still, um, they are not highways. But you have to find a way where you can go with a certain speed over. And, and Geraint said before, I mean, he had to overpass uh, Niki Terpstra. And then instead of overpassing him and getting faster, he went kind of a bit, not slower, but he went on the rougher side. And, and so if you choose the rougher side with the speed that might not suit for that rough place, instead of going, I don't say forward, but as going with the speed, you actually lose the speed and then you have to push more and we know all what when you have to push more what causes uh, pain in the legs and if there's not power enough then yeah then you don't go nowhere yeah i gotta say you were lucky that time <laughs> if i'd just gone 10 meters earlier you never know might have stayed with you in this whole different ball game then isn't it never wait <laughs> if if uh, <laughs> never wait you always have to make the first move yeah exactly it was strange actually after you and tom well especially when after you retired the whole peloton almost didn't know how to race that following year. 
because so much of the tactics and stuff were based on you and on Tom. So that was it was funny being in that. Well, not funny, but it was a, it was strange that initial race after you'd retired. Everyone was a bit like, "Oh, what do we do now?" Because normally we just either try to go before Fabian attacks or try and go with him when he goes. <laughs> you know, I think this has also caused like, uh, who is the next? What's the next rival? And is it now only Peter Sagan, or is it is it Tegenkolb, or which? Or is it Van Abermatt, or which rider? And multiple riders. I think for for the last few years it has been really like strange mixed and then now now we have this new rival kind of with van der poel and and van art uh that now has also been pushed uh heavily into into this new rivalry but think the the race of course every year has somehow still changed because the tactics the way the race has been developed in the terms also of the wind cold rain um yes i think um, but on the end it's still it's still a beautiful race yeah, yeah. Oh, you you mentioned Van Aert and Van der Poel. They're obviously great riders, but that rivalry is nothing compared to you guys yet. Like I was looking at the results from 2005 to 2014. So in 10 years, 10 editions of the race, there was only one time when someone that won wasn't you, Tom, or one of your teammates. That's bonkers. Because I was Van Summeren. I think it was in like 2011. Yeah, I think Tom's won it four. You've won it three. And then O'Grady won when he was your teammate at CSC. So that's pretty much a win for you. Or half a win. We'll call it a U. You know, half a W. A U. No. <laughs> and then who else? Oh, Terpstra won. Terpstra won when he was Tom's teammate. And then Van Summeren was the only guy to win one of those 10 editions. That's mad. For a racer, so... Well, you need a bit of... Or you don't... You need, you need a bit of luck just to not have any bad luck. If that makes sense in Roubaix so the fact that you guys dominated like that and your teams is pretty impressive really isn't it yeah I think we, we we've been really like a big decade on on the Roubaix if he has one I have one podium me him uh, the same is in Flanders also me him podium not podium I mean we have shared really um, 10 years almost like those two races been just our races, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned just then Nick Noyens when he won Flanders in 11. I was national champion at the time, and I remember it because a couple of weeks before, I was second to Noyens in um, Warragam, some one of the build-up races. And uh, obviously, Tom and Fabian weren't at that race. Thanks thanks for not coming. Um, so, I, so I was second there. And then... Um, I remember that race. Did you attack like really far out, like Molenberg, like 80 k to go? Or Yeah, I remember that day that um, like it usually was everyone's against us, everyone against Team Leopard at that year. It was Team Leopard. And suddenly um, the team been working and then they just smashed the team. And then I was somehow alone. And then I said, instead of waiting, 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 I just attacking, and then let's see what's gonna happen. And then I went with um, with uh, I think was it Chavanel? Yeah, I was with Chavanel in the front, and then I was quite a bit in the front, and then suddenly we got caught back after um, after the Mür van Gerardsbergen, and then we regrouped again, and somehow. I went away again with Nick Noyens and again Chavanel, and yeah. then we came to the to the sprint, and uh, yeah, 
uh, Nick Noins has has made it and I'm not sure now, maybe you guys, you know, it. if I've been arriving third or second, honestly, I don't remember yet <laughs> you know, anymore. I, I remember that day because there was the first time I'd been up there in Flanders, like in the mix at the yeah. final. And um, I was sort of like yo-yoing. Was it a group, eh? It was, yeah. It was about 10 or 11 of us. So I was helping Fletcher. I was riding for Fletcher all day. And then we're coming into the finish and me and Fletcher were trying to attack, but we didn't have the legs to go away really. But we were just emptying ourselves just trying something but then I was watching the race back afterwards and I think the last sort of 10 15k you were just sat on the back I think Nick Noyens was just sat behind you and everyone was attacking chasing each other down you know there's people like Hincapi and you know Tom was there I'm sure and I remember I was just getting carried away because I was like man I'm racing with all these like legends I've been watching for all these years and now I'm here with them just I was just like, yeah, I wasn't racing properly. I was just like attacking and just losing my head. And I was watching back and I was like, oh, if only like one of our DSs had told us, just sit on Fabian, just go to the back and sit behind. Because when you were watching, I was like, yeah, you you were sat there. Everyone was just attacking, doing this and that. And then you just waited and just bam, one massive effort. Like it was like two, three K to go, wasn't it? I think. Yep. And then you you basically dragged Noyens and Chavanel with you and... That was it. That was the podium. Yeah, that was the podium. And the thing is, on those races, especially in those years, I mean, if I, I they use it in, in in my company, they use it sometimes. When I have probably stopped for a coffee, the other one will stop as well. So this is like <laughs> whatever I have done, they do the same. <laughs> yeah. So if I look back, they look back. If I move, they move. And of course, the way probably I have won those races has made has made probably just that I don't have one cross. I have just three crosses on the back and I'm marked. And if I will be probably only half as good in the condition, they will still put me as a favorite. Even I will say, look, I'm not in shape. They still, no, no, you're in shape. You're having experience. You just play around. And that day, it was the same. I mean, uh, the year was of quick step. So their strategy was clearly, if someone is with Fabian, hey, just let him pull. And it was like that. Chavanel wasn't pulling so much because he said, look, sorry, I can't pull because behind is Tom, behind is my team. I said, okay, then I just ride and see how far I can go because if I can stay in the front and if also the mix of those individual riders are good mate that they don't going to pull because if they found together at the back an agreement that they go on all pull, then you know how it is. You have no chance. But if someone says, no, I don't pull, then the other say, if you don't pull, I don't pull as well. A quick step, have to pull. No, you have someone in the front. Okay, they don't pull as well. So that's where also tactic can change on certain races, also that dynamic. For sure. And if you have a teammate like Nicky Terpstra sometimes who just flicks the system, then you never know. He might work with you anyway off the front and you both stay away. Yeah, sometimes um, that's why. It's not only how good you are it's also how about those dynamics in the cycling teams how about the dynamic of which rider is at what place in the front and which team is present in the front that sometimes can also properly change and then you can have whatever which radio whatever director is talking to you i mean this can have influence that sometimes it's not the best or the best are in the front but Normally, if it's normally going, it should be like that. But like I said, sometimes the luck is not on your side. And those, I call it like playing bingo, is maybe not the right numbers that are put out and then things are changing. More like chess. 
you got to be a bit more clever. A lot can happen, can't it? Yeah, I mean, they always said, yeah, the strongest today going to win. The strongest today going to win. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not always, <laughs> but mostly it is. Fabian, how would you, in that situation where you are in a little selection and you wanted other riders to work with you and they maybe didn't want to for reasons you've just described, how would you try to persuade them? Like, were you more carrot or were you more stick? Well, his nickname's Spartacus, so he probably threatened them with a big knife or something. Big sword. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I haven't used the knife uh, or my shield or whatever. Um, I mean, just as, as an example, in 2014, uh, I was with three Flemish riders in the front and with me. So we've been four. And I said before we hit the long straight line, the last 10 kilometers, I said to myself, I want to go with all those guys to the finish line in terms of sprinting man against man. And when I look back on how the last 10K has came, I've been the only one that hasn't made a proper attack. But during those attacks from the others, I suffered like hell. I almost got dropped. I had also cramps. I didn't know how I could manage, but mentally... Mentally, I still now remember really well that I said I want to come to those straight line few meters before the finish line together, man against man, all together. So that's why sometimes also the mentally thing that can help and then can also get some of the difference out of it because, I mean, it's not about everyone said, hey, you wrote so smart, three Belgiums. I mean, of course, no one wants to let the other in the front because no one wants to let the Belgium win. Because if you have three Belgium riders, they're not happy that the other attacks. When the other goes, I want to go. So they played somehow Belgiums against each others. And I was just at the back and said, no, no, no. I was at the back because I couldn't do any attack because my legs also been hurting. So, But on the other hand, mentally I said, I want to go to the finish line with all them. And then let's see who is the fastest. Who won that? Did you win that? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that smile. Geraint, what did you do? When you won E3 in 2015, the three of you who were away, it was you, Sagan, and Stebar, was it? Yeah. So what, what's your thinking here? Because I would guess at that point that you're probably thinking Sagan is the biggest danger. Yeah, I just thought both of them were quicker than me, but I felt I was feeling really good. I actually I actually attacked up Quaramount. You know, I was um, visualising... Fabian, I was I was thinking, what was it called? I was channeling, channeling my inner my inner cantilever up there, and uh, <laughs> but I was on a good day. I was on a good day, and um, yeah, I went up there. Those two came with me, and I sensed that I was like the strongest. But you just don't know on those type of races, and I definitely didn't want to wait to the sprint. So I just thought, right, I'm normally pretty good when it comes to sort of a three four k effort um, from my track days and. From yeah, it was a good ten fifteen k out. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and um, I knew they'd be waiting. Steve Bar might have gone a bit bit long, but not that long. So yeah, I was just and I thought um, Sargon was the strongest of the other two, which it turns out he wasn't. But I waited for him to finish his turn. He swung over. He was sort of blocked a bit by Steve Bar, and then that's when I went and full on. And luckily, yeah, stayed away and won one e three, which. Uh, Won my weight in beer as well, which was very handy because I was getting married later on that year. So came in. Hey, um, you've been riding fifty three eleven, like big gear, <laughs> like your style. <laughs> and yeah. then you might remember it was the first British win ever at that race. 
Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's on Wikipedia, so I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but another thing, what do you get after the finish? Did you get uh, some beers or wine in your weight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My weight, my weight in beer I won. Not bad, eh? Yeah, perfect. So I said I was getting married later on that year, so it came in really handy. So in our wedding, everyone's walking around with litre bottles of Quaramont beer. <laughs> <laughs> Great day. Maybe that's a really good example then of, um, I guess, with these couple classics, Fabian, that you can have a plan in advance and you can have an ideal situation that you'd like to you'd like to play out. But fundamentally, you have to adjust your tactics as the race goes on and you have to see how you feel and you have to see how your rivals feel and you have to remodel your tactics as you go. Yeah, completely. Of course, you have, like like I said, you have made some circumstances that going to change. The weather, weather situation can change. Uh, maybe a crash happen. And, and then from being the favorite team, you, you become the, the weak team because you might have lost a few riders. And then you have to also change a few things. That reminds me, what, when you mentioned crashes, what happens when your teammate crashes you? Do you remember? Well, you must remember. Was it in Roubaix? Have you frozen or are you mm. just angry? <laughs> <laughs> no 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 wait which Rube? i haven't i mean do you that uh, that the rider has crashed me i think this yeah, was teammate uh, hayden rolston yes a uh, roast hayden rolston is that his name the kiwi guy yeah yeah kiwi yeah yeah hayden rolston he tried to bunny hop onto the pavement and he yes messed it up and just took you out that must have been no 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 i actually didn't i didn't get knocked out from him oh no but um i mean we ride on, on those wheels, we ride on those bikes, on small roads. And the last thing is definitely that the bike rider from your team wants to knock you down. I mean, I was, um, I don't remember at all if if things properly happened to myself on, on, on a race. So you, you forgave him then? Oh, for sure, for sure I forgave him. <laughs> I mean, sometimes things comes that you can't change and, and the crash from him, of course, it caused for him mentally or even on the motivation side, even more ill that, that he was super pissed on himself, that this happened because he knew it. He has, we have a tactic, we have a certain job to do, everyone has his, his role. And then when you crash out with a mistake from your own, somehow then, then there you're going to blame on you. And then if you don't win, then he feels even more bad that, that he couldn't be part of it. But then on the other hand, we also experienced that in the team, um, we always give the best we can to 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 the team and for the for for the for the role you have and if you have a role mate you still not give up you still go to the next one as long as you can go to give us more support for your team and and i think i always try to push my team um, especially the teammates um to push them even more to go further because every kilometer they last longer it's always a support more you can have because you never know if it's a bottle, if it's a wheel, if it's closing a gap or it's just being there, present. It gives you also this feeling that you're not alone. Yeah, because psychologically, yeah. I know that by time you're right, you lose your teammates and then you're going to be more and more alone. And that's why it's the strength also about the teamwork in those races. Yeah, and just how the other teams see you as well, like see your team. So like, oh, he's still got three guys with him. They're strong today, even if they're all on their ass. Yeah, having more team guys uh, in the front shows also, hey, they are still really strong or it's how hard maybe it's going to be for us to drop them. 
saying that, there was a very polite answer he gave about Hayden Ralston, but I'm sure he got sacked that year. I'm sure he left for another team. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> You're bad. Hey, come on. <laughs> uh, Fabian, do you think, so Geraint um, still has a, a few years left. He's got plenty of years left in his pro career. Um, would you like to see him have a proper go at winning the Classics? Yeah, I think uh, he has won the Tour, he has won Harbeck, he has won others. And I think, of course, it will be nice. And But first of all, it's not me. It's actually Geraint needs to, to find his motivation or, or certain goals he has uh, to put out on, on, on also what he's doing day by day when he goes out and training. But I think, I mean, um, what always um, impressed me is the way he's riding with his gears, like always 53, <laughs> 11, big gears. Already, Greggy Rust always been a bit uh, making fun of jokes of him. But on the end, I mean, everyone has his style. And I think, I mean, this is not again, this is nothing bad. It's just the way I see it, the way he's pedaling, he might go with two big gears. That maybe for overriding the cobbles, he's maybe a bit should putting in more cadence to get to get to certain speed because as bigger the, the 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 gearing is, as less you can respond. But of course, this is how I see it. I don't know in terms of of you, Geraint, or your trainers how they also say, hey, please go with a bit more cadence because that helps also on a certain cadence you relax your legs or you put power on your legs or you... Because I've been riding 120 cadence over the cobbles and, and this is just way too much. But 80 cadence is maybe not good enough because it's too low. So it's to find the balance. But of course, I would love to see you back on those races because, I mean, you you won you won Harabek, you, you have done some results on those races and it is po- possibility potential there. But of course, you have circumstances, preparation, the way you develop, the way you progress... And um, that's all in your in your legs or in your mind. Yeah, I think definitely with the cadence thing, they're always telling me to knock it up a few gears. But yeah, that's something I still need to, to work on. But um, yeah, those races are just great. I love them. So hopefully I'll get to do them before I stop. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know what I'm going to do next year at the minute. So it's all up in the air. So time will tell. You don't have yet your your program, right? No, no, I've just, I kind of want to do something a bit different, like not the same old, same old program I've been doing after the last few years. So yeah, I'm going to mix it up a bit. Just enjoy racing my bike because, you know, the next two, three years and then it'll all be done. And yep. so especially after this pandemic and stuff with, I then realized how much I just enjoy racing my bike. So training and riding is all, I enjoy that as well, but there's nothing better than being in the, in the mix with your team and, you know, especially winning but just being in there together and racing 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 hard yeah and i think now also for you priority number one is just uh, being fixed uh, with your shoulder but you mentioned this most important thing to have fun to enjoy what you do because uh, i mean it's it's a hard it's a hard job but if you can have fun on it um because now everything digital everything more more precise more robotic I think on an age that uh, that you are guaranteed is still like this because you are humans and if you get treated like robots one day the mind going to explode and I think for you it's this what you said to have fun to enjoy because 
it's not to be lazy. It doesn't mean because with this, I think with this, to enjoy and to have fun and to have the motivation, I think this is what you need because um, uh, this is this is so important. Do you miss it at all? What's the thing you miss the most? I mean, I don't, I don't regret or I don't have any day where I have to say, ah, oh, damn, why I stopped cycling. I mean, I had never that day. The only thing what might came a bit, but that's, I think, normal. I don't say about doubting a bit, but like, hmm, damn, we had cool bus trips. Damn, we had cool evenings on the table. We had good talks after the race or in a training camp, sitting on a bar together, easy talking about life. Um, I think sometimes this popping up, I mean, the riding thing, the like the... The racing thing to put a number on, I mean, I put number on for my events I have in, in the chasing series and so on. But in generally, I mean, to see what I see since the last four years in TV, I'm really happy I'm not riding anymore. Because it has also changed um, in terms of the youngsters. Sometimes I see not this respect that, sh- not the respect that normally should youngsters give to a bit older guys. The racing has become more, more hard somehow more intense but still it's a bike race i mean people want to win bike races so it's normally hard but like i said i haven't missed at all uh, packing my suitcase and and being in hotels where you can't open your suitcases (laughs) Um, yeah but i think being around with the boys and, and having good talks um this sometimes i miss but i mean this is nothing bad actually it's actually good it means I have met good people during my years. And uh, the one thing I, I'm deeply honest is like, when you stop riding your career, then then you will see that you're not going to have any more that time like it's before. So enjoy what you do, get the best out of what you can and having the motivation. And of course, most important, uh, be happy and be healthy because uh, this is what drives you. I think that's a lovely message for everyone who rides their bikes, actually. As someone who does it purely for fun, um, and for a lot of our listeners who just do it for enjoyment, I think the same holds. You know, the whole point of riding a bike is to enjoy it. Yeah, because um, if it becomes hard and brutal, I mean, this is also part of it. But on the other hand, you can get with that also a certain motivation out of it or a satisfaction. But as long as there is a certain passion, the will, um, you can go for long. Hundred percent. Look at Valverde. He's gonna he's gonna still be going when I stop. <laughs> well fabian thank you so much for coming on the podcast today um it's been lovely having you on and i think we can all agree that next time we have a night out in london that we will go to the place that we didn't go to um that would have cost four thousand pounds and featured snakes <laughs> snakes and clowns and unicycles nice looking forward sweet we'll put it in the diary we do that Thank you, guys. All the best. Stay safe and looking forward to meet you again. See you soon. Right, Tom, it's time to get your Zwift update. Now, while you and producer Lou have a few more weeks to try and up your fitness on Zwift, I thought I'd check in with some of our GTCC members on why they use it and get some tips for you both. Aren't I I such a nice guy? So... Here's Sarah for you both. Listen carefully. 
Hi, my name's Sarah and I've been on Zwift for about five years now. I like the variety of it and the social aspect. I really wouldn't stick with a training plan on a bog standard trainer. I have taken a bit of a hit on my FTP over the summer because I've been doing a bit of touring and I found that the best way to start building it back up again is to do something like a Zwift Academy training program, but also short races of about half an hour. So uh, crits or individual TTs, you can go hard on those. And I've had a couple of small bumps in the past two weeks. Um, so offer to Louise, if you want to do a bit of ladies racing, I captain a team in CCAT, but we have ladies in all, all uh, categories. You're welcome to come and join us and see how it goes. Um, but good luck to both of you. Ah, oh, very nice. And if you fancy joining me, Geraint, producer Lou and Sarah on Zwift, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial. We'll see you there. Tom, it's time for any other business. So have we got any more applications for road captains? Cool, have we ever? We have been absolutely inundated. Uh, Gee, should we appoint a few more? I'm going to start us off with our road captain for the southwest of France, specifically the town that every single Tour de France seems to go through, Poe, is James Johnston. In Guatemala, Juan Carlos Munoz. For South London, it is Jason Coop. And West London... Patrick Quinn. So there will probably be beef now between Coop and Quinn for the different manners of London. But remember, if you want to be a GTCC road captain, organise rides, meetups, promote the club in the area that you live in, then go and fill out the application form on our socials. Right, next item on the agenda, G, are some shout-outs to our club members. And the first one goes to Roger Drummond, who took his GTCC jersey out for a spin in the Sequoia National Forest boundary. Now, there's a lovely selfie he took floating around the Facebook page, if you want to check it out. Um, a shout-out to our official book recommender, Paul Stobbs, who says, This month in November, we should be reading Lantern Rouge by Max Leonard. That is all about the last man to finish each year's Tour de France. And finally, a shout-out to Phil Hopley, who took part in his very first GTCC club ride this month on Zwift. He says, a little bit faster than my normal rides, as I'm in the veteran sections of the club. Hey, Phil, you did it. Well done. Welcome. And to finish, Tom, why don't we give other people the chance to compose us a new GTCC theme tune, just like Frank? If you fancy yourself a bit of a musician, send us an email at GTCC at crowdnetwork.co.uk. What do we want to hear though, Tom? Let's give him a bit of guidance. What type of vibe are we going for here? I want to hear your version. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) Have you ever played an instrument? Recorder for about two weeks. This could be good. (laughs) Um, I'll do the the lyrics because that's how our relationship works. You can do the melody. Let's see what we come up with. Blimey, Charlie. Uh, I think we should leave it to the rest for now, our (laughs) listeners. But... Yeah, some good lyrics. You know, maybe a few... Well, mix it up, you know. A couple of good beats. Maybe some send some good lyrics. A bit of, you know, quite funny. You know, um, relate to us both. I don't know. This could be interesting. Yeah, lot, could get a load of abuse now. A lot of things could rhyme with GTCC. It's one of those sounds that works, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to listening to some of these. Tremendous. Right, we'll see you all next week. Ciao, ciao. That was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Head of Music Emma Hickman, Head of Social Fionn Clark and our Honorary President Mike Carr. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time.
proud network. A place where you belong. <laughs> <laughs>